0: Well, how many of you have done something when you were younger that you are now really embarrassed by? <laughs> mullet. How many mullet men do we have here? Come on, let's, let's fess up. Thank you. We have some folks that um, once had a mullet. What about a perm? I had a perm. Gavin, <laughs> did you have a perm? <laughs> wow. I would never have put you... Uh, you're not a perm kind of guy. No, oh, I had the split-ends perm. You remember the band split-ends, the kind of the perm at the front? What about flares? Who was into flares? Yeah, some of us still are. We haven't realised it's not the 70s anymore. And what about ladies with the big shoulder pads? Who, yeah, yeah, confessing to that? You know, they're things that seemed like a good idea at the time, but on reflection, you wouldn't do a multi-game, would you? Would you, Gavin? No, you wouldn't do a perma game, would you? No. Well, that um, skit that uh, the young people um, presented to us um, just now is one of my, it seemed like a good idea at the time, kind of things. Um, when I was a young Christian, quite a long time ago, I would go with my friends into a shopping mall and we would do that skit. We would just turn up at some shopping centre somewhere, unannounced, and we would do that as our performance. And we'd gather a, an unsuspecting crowd of, um, of shoppers. And then um, after that skit was uh, completed, um, one of our team would uh, jump up. And after that skit, um, they would say something along these lines. You know what? We spend so much of our, our lives, so much of our time and so much of our energy invested in um, eating eating. And working and resting and having a party and we don't realize that one day we're all going to die in fact this was one of our favorite lines who knows you could be on your way home today and you could get run over by a bus <laughs> and once you're dead you're going to realize that none of those things mattered eating Working, resting, and partying are ultimately just mundane, unimportant, and valueless things. And what you need to do—this is in the middle of a shopping centre. What you need to do is you need to repent, and you need to invite uh, Jesus. I told you this is something that uh, you know I'm I'm embarrassed by, and uh, yeah, wouldn't do it again. Uh, seemed like a good idea at the time kind of thing, we would say, you know, uh, you've got to repent, you've got to invite Jesus into your life, and um, if you don't, then when you die, you're in big trouble. Surprisingly, um, no one ever became a Christian as a result of our shopping mall invasions, Um, people weren't overly enthused by uh, being told on a Saturday morning while they're out doing their shopping that they might get run over by a bus and end up in hell. Surprise, surprise. We were well-intentioned, enthusiastic young Christians, but with the benefit of hindsight, I definitely wouldn't take that approach again because it seemed like a good idea at the time But now on reflection, looking back, I understand that we weren't only uh, a group of naive young people, but what we were also doing was promoting a form of thinking called dualism. And dualism has its origins in Greek philosophy. And at the heart of dualism is the belief that the world is divided and separated into uh, two camps. There is the sacred... And there is the secular. And the sacred is the heavenly, the spiritual uh, kind of things. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's the things of God and of, of, of mystery. And those things are incredibly important. And on the other side, there is the, um, the secular, which is the, the physical, the material world, which is temporary and unspiritual. And dualism believes that the sacred is good and is to be prioritised and the secular is evil and is to be avoided. And this dualism um, teaches that the soul, that inner part of our lives, is actually sacred and good. But anything to do with the body, such as eating, such as working, such as resting and such as partying, are things uh, to be avoided because they are considered evil. And the ancient Greeks taught that only things associated with with the sacred, those things that were spiritual, such as religious activity, had any real meaning in life. Now what happened is somewhere along the line... The Church embraced um, this Greek worldview and began to teach that anything related to the body or to this world was ultimately a waste of time because it was not spiritual, spiritual. And the damage caused by um, dualistic um, thinking upon the church is is incalculable. In my view, it is actually the most damaging um, uh, introduction of something that is unbiblical, that has actually happened to the church. It's impacted the Christian view of, of sex, it's uh, impacted the Christian view of the environment, so we have a tendency within the church, or many people within the church look at the environment as something that will one day pass away and be destroyed, and therefore we have no responsibility or no, no care for the earth. Or um, we, um, we have a, 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 a poor view of anything that is um, of the arts because things of beauty are secondary. And this dualistic thinking has undermined um, Western Christianity unlike anything else. And so, therefore, young people like myself would perform those skits and say the kinds of things we did because we honestly believed and we had been taught and raised in a church environment that relegated things like eating and working and resting and playing. But if you read um, your Bibles, what you will discover that, that for God there is no separation between that which is sacred and that which is secular. The Bible knows nothing of that distinction. All of life is or has the potential to be uh, something sacred since God made all things. And praying and attending church and reading the Bible is not more sacred than eating, working, resting and partying. Now, for some of us, that may make us feel uncomfortable and it may be shaking our worldview. And if that's the case, I'm really pleased. <laughs> because that's, you know, we, we come to church, some of us, to be comforted and other, others of us need to be discomforted and shaken out of our, of our thinking sometimes. So if I were to perform that eat, work, rest, party, die skit in a shopping mall today, which I'm not likely to, but if I were, I'd actually give a very different kind of spiel. And this is what I would say. I would say regardless of um, what Facebook and um, Instagram tells you, life is made up primarily of the mundane. It consists primarily of eating, of working, of resting, and the occasional party. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, is that Jesus invites us to do life with him. God wants us to, to, wants to be as involved in our eating, in our working, in our resting, in our, in, our, in our partying, as much as God wants to be involved in our praying, in our church attendance, and in our Bible reading. And when we do life with Jesus, what takes place is the mundane. The ordinary day-to-day things of life take on meaning. Most of life might be mundane, but it's certainly not meaningless. Eating was deeply important to Jesus um, scholars say that the Gospel of Luke, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. One of those Gospel writers, scholars believe that when, when Luke sat down to write his Gospel, what he did was um, he structured it in such a way that, um, that Jesus moves from one meal table to the next meal table to the next meal table to the next meal table. That's the, that's the thread, that's the, 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 the structure of the Gospel of Luke. And so the methodology of Jesus, the way in which Jesus did life, was around food. How many foodies do we have? This should be good news uh, for us. You see, the meal table is where, where Jesus taught his disciples. The meal table was where Jesus showed mercy to those who didn't know God. The meal table was the place where where Jesus welcomed those who were considered to be outsiders. And the meal table is the place where Jesus challenged those who were religious. For Jesus, eating was deeply sacred. It's actually the place we find God and serve others. There's a story in the Bible where uh, after the resurrection, Jesus is walking along and he bumps into two of his disciples who, because they have no expectation that Jesus would rise from the dead, um, they don't recognise that this person who's met them on, on the road to a, a town called Emmaus is actually Jesus. And Jesus begins to talk to these, um, these disciples and explain things to them. But they don't understand who Christ is. Or oh, this, this is the Christ. And it tells us in Luke chapter 24, it says, As they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognised Jesus. They recognised Jesus as Jesus served them at the meal table. It's at the table. It's over food. It's over a common meal that we actually encounter God. Our daughter, Chloe, um, had had travelled Europe. And while she was uh, away, she met a a couple of... uh, of uh, other, uh, other travellers and um, they happened to be coming to Australia and so she invited them to our place to stay <laughs> and um, they came and stayed with us for for a week or so and generally at our house um, we like to make dinner a bit of an event so I'll, I'll go to um, sorry, we will go <laughs> it's actually me Louise will occasionally make toast or something like that um, but our place, you know, um, we like to make a bit of an effort and uh, prepare a nice meal and we'll say grace and then we'll talk all, about all manner of stuff over, over the meal table. We'll talk about God. Louise likes to talk about what she'd listen to on Radio National. She sounds like an expert, but she'd listen to some, some show or you know something on Radio National and, and we'd hear all about, about the latest thing. And... Um, in our eyes, we weren't doing anything different other than just sharing a meal together, as we do you know, every night as a, a week as, 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 as a family. But for these two young girls who were travelling, they'd never encountered this before. This was completely foreign to them. And they were impacted by our mealtime And they saw God. And one of those girls came along to church here at Bayview. And she had an encounter, an experience with God. Because we ate. And that spoke to her. And she saw God. In my Eat, Work, Rest, Party, Dice Spiel, I'd also say that work is deeply important to God. The average person will spend uh, about 100,000 hours of their life working. This is more than anything else uh, we do in life except, um, except sleeping. And for many people, work has been relegated to a necessary evil, something we must endure in order that we might enjoy the weekend or give us the resource to be able to put food on the table. But from God's perspective, work is sacred because the Bible tells us that God is a worker and that God created us um, to work. Work is part of God's purpose for our lives because work gives us the opportunity towards, to, uh, to, to contribute towards the common good, to make a difference in the world, to make a positive contribution to those around about us. For some of you, um, your work is in the home. You're a, you're, a, you're a parent. And what could be more sacred than raising children? Well, some of you are now in that phase of life where you're grandparents. And you have the incredible privilege of investing your time and your life in your grandchildren. I mean, what could be more sacred than that? Avodah is a, is a Hebrew word which means... Worship, But that word, avadar, not only means worship, it can also be interpreted as work. So from God's perspective, worship and work are inseparable. They are synonymous. And so when we do life with Jesus, when we include him in our our daily work routine... It means that we get to spend over 100,000 hours of our life engaged in worship. The Bible says, Whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. In my eat, work, sleep, rest, party, die spiel, That I'm giving in the shopping centre, what I'd also say is that rest is incredibly important to God because rest is sacred. God not only rested after the work of creation, God ordained rest as a fundamental part of the human experience. Taking time to abstain from work on a daily and weekly basis was actually God's idea. If you, want, I'm, going to, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to throw something out to you now. If you want to change your life, I want you to trial adopting a very simple practice, and it's this: When does the Jewish um, day start? Sunset. 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 Around about six o'clock. Sunset. The Jewish day starts at sunset. In other words, the Jewish day starts with rest. It begins without you doing anything. You see, what God is trying to get through to us is we are not defined by what we do. And life begins from a place of rest. I've tried implementing this thing and it's one of the most difficult things to do. To actually change your thinking and begin your day as the sun is setting. But it's worth the effort. Jesus intentionally took time out from his work to rest. He said to his disciples, Come away with me to an isolated place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and there was no time to eat. Jesus had this successful ministry. He was healing the sick and, 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 and reaching out to, to, to lost, uh, lost people. But even Jesus said, hey, this might be success, successful and effective, but we need time out from, from this stuff. We need to give ourselves a breather. Now, I love the fact that um, at Bayview here, there is a culture of rest among our retirees. <laughs> in fact, it's inspiring. I'm looking forward to retirement. You've inspired me. Ross and Chris, you've been away for a couple of months. They come back for a little kind of interlude and then they're shooting off again in July. Uh, Barry, he's setting off, how long are you are away for? For three months. three months. He's gone off for three months today. John and Helen, today you're flying off to Europe and you'll be away for... Six weeks, yeah. Thank you, guys. It's really great. <laughs> but I just love it the fact that you guys figure out we've worked hard, we've got the resource, we might as well rest and enjoy our lives. You've actually taught me something incredibly valuable. So it's time to head north, folks. Are you pleased that I've had a change of thinking? Otherwise, I'll be saying, you grey nomads, you should stay at home because church is more important than heading north. And in my eat, work, sleep, party, um, die spiel, I would go on to say, partying is deeply important to God. How many pastors say that to their congregation, eh? Taking time to let your hair hang and celebrate life is something that has been ordained by God. In the Hebrew Bible, what we discover is that God instituted um, events. They're called feasts. And they would have happened throughout the year. And some of those uh, feasts were kind of uh, solemn um, spiritual events, but uh, some of those other feasts were really, really raucous events. It was all about stopping, coming together, remembering, and celebrating. One of the accusations that was made against Jesus was that he actually enjoyed life too much. In Matthew 11, it says that the Son of Man feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the religious didn't like Jesus because they thought he was a bit of a party animal. I would love to think this, others thought this about me. That actually, hey, Steve just needs to tone it down a little bit because he's enjoying life just a little too much. He's hanging around with the wrong kind of people, eating and drinking just a little bit too much. Well, if you have a problem with that, you have a problem with Jesus because Jesus enjoyed life. His first miracle was at a, at a wedding, uh, wedding ceremony where the poor uh, bride and groom ran out of wine and Jesus felt compassion for them and so he turns the water into wine. The church has been trying to turn the wine back into water ever since, but Jesus turned the water into wine. Why? because he wanted to keep the party going. He wanted to make a declaration. His very first statement in his ministry was, life is something that should be enjoyed. We recently spoke about ludus, um, one of these uh, Greek words for love. It's this playful love. It's the the love of life. And this word ludus um, refers to... The affection between children, the flirting that takes place between um, young lovers. It's um, a group of friends sitting around drinking wine and laughing together or, or dancing kind of um, seductively with a stranger. That's what that word means. The French call it, I've got to try and pronounce it now, joy de vivre, the joy of life. Some of us need to loosen up. I'm serious. Some of us need to loosen up and add a little ludus to our lives. We're way too serious. Some of you are going to really take this message uh, at this point and and live it out. And in my eat, work, rest, party, die spiel that I'm giving in a shopping centre, this is the final thing I'd say. We all die. We all face death. It's actually an unavoidable reality. And for some of us sitting here, death is a fearful thing. It actually, what awaits us beyond death's dark veil is actually traumatising for us. For others, um, death will be a welcome relief from the pain and the hardship of living in this world. And for others, you never give death a second thought. But just as we are invited to do life with Jesus, do life with God, we're also invited to do death with him. Death is sacred to God. And what my Bible tells me is that death is actually a reward for those of us who do life with Jesus. And death to me is a, is a mystery. But the great thing is, is that Jesus has gone through death. He's conquered death. He's come out the other side. And that inspires me with a hope that when I walk through that door of death, I'll come out the other side. And as I've done life with Jesus in the eating and the working and in the, in the, um, in the resting and in the partying, I will come through death And do death with him. And that for me is a great encouragement. I want to close by saying that the mundane things of life are not meaningless. Eating is sacred. It is an opportunity to meet with God. Working is not meaningless. It is sacred. There's an opportunity to fulfill our call to be image bearers of God. As God is a worker, we are a worker. Rest is not mundane. It enables us to be sustainable people and keep us going through life. And partying is certainly not meaningless we were created it says to enjoy uh, to enjoy God and live with him forever our church is committed this community is committed to helping people journey with Jesus and we have resources and we have people that we'd like to share with you if you're interested in taking that journey and doing the mundane With Christ and finding meaning in the mundane and making those things sacred we would love to talk with you and help you and and support you in that process and if that's something that you'd like to do then you're welcome to come and see myself or speak to the person that brought you here today because nothing would please us more than to help you on that journey.